I'm going to grab the stool and sit down. That way I won't be in the doghouse when I go home. I love my wife. And thank, uh, thanks to Elizabeth Floyd for filling in on the computer this morning, her first time. Yay, Elizabeth. So, Sharif, if you're watching, you can probably have another one in the rotation. You have to ask her, though. I won't uh, commit that um, to her. So, we are still in Chapter 6 of Romans, and um, I want to start with a question, and that is, have you ever thought uh, about who you are a slave to? Now, yes, I did use the word slave. Don't get too anxious about that. You know, uh, the word slave, if you use that today in society, uh, certainly has a negative connotation, and rightfully so. And some get a little angst when you use that word. But um, this morning, you're going to see it repeated several times in the text. In fact, in many of... Um, Paul's writings, he uses this word, and he uses it rightfully so for a purpose. As people of this time would hear this word slave, they would understand what that meant. And so if you have your Bibles and you want to follow along, um, the text will be on the screen, but I certainly encourage you to bring your Bibles if you like. Um, chapter 6 of Romans, and we will be picking up with verse 15 and reading till the end of the chapter. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? May it never be. Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness. But thanks be to God that through, though you were slaves to sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification." For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the outcome of those things is death. But now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God... You derive your benefit resulting in sanctification and the outcome is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Now, that's the most, thank you for that amen. Somebody ought to have said hallelujah, amen, something. That verse is what everybody knows, or everybody should know. It's repeated frequently. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of, of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. For you are our strength and our redeemer. I pray that you would illuminate our hearts and minds this morning, Father, for what you would hold for us through this, your holy word. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. And so this chapter is dealing with a practical problem, and that is something that we wrestle with as Christians. And um, two weeks ago, week before last, uh, we looked at the first 14 verses of this uh, specific chapter, chapter 6 of Romans. And that chapter begins this way, What shall we say then? Are we, or you could actually also say, Can we continue in sin so that grace may increase? And so this whole chapter 6 deals with this question about believers sinning. And we know that he's writing to believers. If you look at verse 17, he says, Thanks that though you were slaves, you became obedient from the heart. This form of teaching, he says, that we taught to you. And so throughout this chapter, he says, you have been... Uh, joined to him in eternal life. You have been buried with him in death. You have been raised to new life. You have been transformed into this likeness of Jesus Christ. We have been made part of his resurrection, as I said two weeks ago. And so this baptism into death, being made part of the resurrection into new life, we are his. And Paul says, can you can you go on sinning? And his answer is, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because you have been changed. You have been transformed. In fact, he would say, if you continue to sin, it is evidence that you were never transformed, that you were never part of Christ in the first place. I used a passage from 1 John two weeks ago, and John says, if you're a believer, you do not practice sin. And what he means by that is that you do not continue to live in sin. You have been transformed. Your heart is made new. You are in the likeness of Jesus the Christ. And those make that claim, those who continue in sin and make the claim that they are Christians they are, as Matthew 7 records Jesus' words, as he said, Many of you shall come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, did we not do many works in your name and cast out devils, demons? And I shall say, Depart from me, I never knew you. 
And so Paul is dealing with a very important subject, a very important uh, topic for the believer to understand. And when he finishes that first section in verse 14, he says, For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. You're not under the law, but under grace. And so then he asks this question in, in verse 15, What then shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? He asks this question in slightly a different way, and it's important for us to understand. That first verse is, can you continue in sin? And he says, absolutely not. If you belong to Christ, you cannot continue in sin. If you do, it is absolutely evidence that you were never his to start with. But in verse 15, he says, shall we? It's a different question. In other words, believer, believer, are you now going to choose to sin? He's putting the onus on us now. And, and he's saying, if you have been raised with Christ, if, if you are Christ, or if and Christ is in you, Shall we continue to sin? Is this something that you really think or you should choose to do? Is temptation so delicious, tastes so good, that in your memory you're thinking, okay, Lord, I know that I shouldn't, but I know that I'm not under the law, I'm under grace. And if I'm under grace, I know I'm forgiven. And so if I commit this sin, I, won't, I know you'll forgive me. Yes, I know that I'm going to have to face some, some penalty there. I'm going to be disciplined for that sin. But I know that you're going to restore me, and I know that you are going to forgive me, and I know... And we make justification over and over again. But God, I'm not under the, the law any longer. I'm, I'm under grace. Will you forgive me, Lord? And thank goodness Jesus says yes. There was a song playing this morning, and I can't sit on this stool any longer. I'm sorry. I can't preach sitting down. <laughs> um. There was a song coming in this morning, uh, Drops in the Ocean. And if you get a chance to listen to that song, it says that we are forgiven as many as there are drops in the ocean. And so we are forgiven believers in Jesus Christ. Paul is asking the question for us, are we, shall we continue to sin? And he says, by no means, no means if we are a Christian and go on sinning deliberately, we would have to ask the question, whose we are? Who are we a slave to? Are we a slave to sin or are we a slave to righteousness? And Paul in this passage wants us to get the context of being a slave or slaves corporately 
together to righteousness, of righteousness. And so in this passage, I want to lift up three things to us, a threefold answer that Paul will give us that says, we, shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? And his first one that we will look at in a minute is sin makes you a slave. If you continue to sin, it will make you a slave. Secondly, sin will make you ashamed. And third, sin will spread throughout your entire existence if you continue to sin. And so Paul calls us not to be slaves of sin, but slaves of righteousness. And so that first one, I want to read verses 16 through 19 for you again, uh, because I want you to hear this concept of sin makes you a slave. Sin makes you a slave. So I'm going to pick up with verse 16. Do you not know that when you presented yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness? But thanks be to God that though you were slaves to sin, you became obedient from the heart to the form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. And then he finishes this section about sin and slavery to sin. I am speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. And so Paul is teaching, he is preaching really here to this church in Rome, these believers in Rome, and he wants them to understand the very nature of sin, and that if you, as a believer, sin, you can become slaves to that if you continue to practice it in some way. I saw a sign the other day um, surfing uh, for uh, a specific um, book that I was looking for, and it popped up and it said, I'm a slave for Christ, and that was on one side. On the other side of the sign, it said, whose slave are you? And so that's a good question, because Paul here says, we're either slaves of sin or we're slaves to righteousness. There's no other choice, and he talks about humanity here and, and how humanity, uh, our flesh, uh, actually uh, we're at, at odds with the, the human side. But as we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we often think, well, sources, our, our, our choices are just wide open. But actually they are not. Our choices as we come to Christ are narrowed. They're very limited. And so the question that Paul would raise is, who has control of you? Is sin in control? Are you in some type of obeying or obedience to sin? 
or are you in obedience to righteousness? In other words, either God is at work in you or Satan is tempting you as a believer. God is at work in you or Satan is tempting you as a believer. These are the two kinds of slavery that Paul is mentioning here. And he says, look, at once you were obedient to this sin, once you were not in Christ and you lived in this obedience, whether you even did good things or not, regardless of whether they were good, if you were not in Christ, they still had selfish motives. They were still tainted. Because if you're not in Christ, then you have a sense of unrighteousness about you. And your master is sin. Scripture over and over tells us that. And, and I know you would say, but Marty, I know people that are good that aren't Christians and they do good things. And you're absolutely right. But it's not righteousness to the Lord. And more often than not, it has something in selfish motives. Whether it makes them feel good, doing good makes me feel good, whatever it is. But Paul would say there's only two choices for the heart. Only two choices. He says now that we are free, now that we are free from sin, now that we belong to Christ, why in the world would we choose sin in any way? Why would we do that? Because once you sin, once you slip into that sin, sin wants to take hold of you. Let's look what happens when we allow sin to take hold. Jesus said in John eight thirty four, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you. And any time Jesus used that term, verily, verily, it's a, a formula for uh, this uh, fundamental, absolute, foundational truth that he's fixing to tell us. And so he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that commits sin is a slave to sin. He that commits sin is a slave to sin. When we sin, we become obedient. We come, become um, at the disposal of someone else's authority. And that's how we think often of slavery. But think of it in the context of sin today, sin that you might commit. So you, you tell a lie, and that lie will continue to grow. I read a, an article last week, and this particular article had this, this man that was recanting uh, what had happened to him. And he said this, and I quote, I told what I thought was a little white lie. I thought that it would handle the matter. 
But you know what I found out? I had to tell 42 other lies. I counted them before I finally woke up to what I was doing and admitted the whole thing was nothing more than a lie so that I could get out of continuing to lie. We become slaves when we lie because one lie will beget another and another and another. You say, well, I don't lie, okay? Have you ever gotten angry? Do you ever get angry? You see, anger has a way of uh, raising its ugly head, too. Sometimes we want to maybe cut someone down just a little, bring them down to size so we have a little sharpness to our tone or maybe a sharpness to our words. And it's not that we don't like them. It's not that we don't love them. We just want to put them in their place a little bit. And we have that little sharpness to our voice. And have you ever done that and realized that nine times out of ten, the person that you are sharp with turns around and cuts back a little bit deeper? And what you have to do is cut back a little bit deeper. And you end up in a dispute or an argument. And it becomes a battle instead of just a little sharp tone to the voice. It happens in our families. We get up in the morning and we might be a little grouchy and we get around the breakfast table and we find out that our grouchiness has spread throughout the rest of the family. And everybody else is grouchy too. Everybody. Sin has a way to spread and infect others around us. As a part of slavery, we yield ourselves to something or someone, and we seem to get caught up in that, and we have to stop it. Because God has called us to be slaves of righteousness, not slaves to sin. Paul wants us to get it right. Paul wants us to obey God. That our focus is on God. Our focus is on righteousness. And the more that we are slaves to right righteousness to God, the more we will replicate that. The second thing that Paul tells us is in verses 20 and 21a. And he says, For when you were slaves to sin, you were free in the regard to righteousness. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from these things which you are now ashamed? And so sin, as a believer, will make you ashamed. I can't speak for you, but I can definitely speak for me. There has been times in my life where I have done things or said things, and the, the indwelling Holy Spirit convicts me, and I am ashamed of making that statement or making or doing that sin that I need to repent of. Shame is the awareness of unworthy actions and damage that we do to others and our painful feeling about it. And so... When we sin, 
when we commit that sin, especially towards someone else, or if it's a, a moral sin where we have done something that is wrong, we feel that shame. In fact, often when we are in the presence of someone that we have harmed or said something against and we have not taken care of that, we are uncomfortable in their presence. Have you ever been uncomfortable in the presence of someone that you have either wronged or not taken care of, that thing that God has called you to, when you said or did something wrong to them? I have. And until it's made right, you're going to feel uncomfortable. And so God calls us, that's part of his conviction with the Holy Spirit, is convicting us so we make that right, and that shamefulness goes away. Do you uh, forget it? No. Do you remember it? Yes. But it doesn't affect you in the same way. If you are feeling ashamed of your sin, then I will tell you there is something that you need to take care of before the Lord. Offer it to him. And God may call you, listen to me, church, God may call you to rectify that with someone. Hard thing. But I will tell you, if you will go and ask either for forgiveness or reconciliation, whether they accept it or not, that's okay. You can't control them. What you do is what God has called you to do in rectifying that instance so that you are made right with the Lord. Third, this last few verses, starting with 21b, for the outcome of those things is death, but now having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, see here's an enslaved to God, you derive your benefit resulting in sanctification and the outcome is eternal life. And then this verse, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. In Jesus Christ our Lord. And so sin will spread death through your whole existence, if it's not taken care of. If it's not taken care of, it will sp spread death through your whole existence. And so, Paul is talking about spiritual death here. Now, we certainly know that when we die physically, we are dead, that's it, we're, we're done, this physical body is done, our, our spirit is, is still alive, but... He is talking about here this spiritual death of darkness that takes place. And when we experience sin and we live in that sin in some way without taking care of it, darkness takes over and you can't see the light. Darkness takes over and you can't see the light. Let me give you uh, an example of that. When I first came to Christ and I began to live my life for Christ, I was very young. I was 15 years old, and um, I wanted to, to delve into the Bible, and um, I had confessed my sins before the Lord. I knew that the Lord had uh, poured his, his Spirit into me, but I will tell you what was going on. 
there were some things that I was still trying to hold on to. And I would see others around me that would read a passage in Bible study, and they would begin to say this and that, and I understand the Lord is, is speaking here about this, and I was thinking, I don't get it. I don't see it. And the Lord convicted me, you've got to let go of this, and then the light will come on. You're, you're living in the darkness. You don't understand. You don't see what I'm, I'm trying to tell you because you're still holding on to this particular thing. And when I let that go, my eyes were open. The word became light again. I was able to understand. In fact, I could understand what others were rejoicing about as we studied and read Scripture together. It gave me a freedom that only Christ can give. You will discover so much in his word. And if you're reading scripture and you seem like that it's just clouded in some way and you're not gaining understanding, examine yourself and see if there's something you're holding on to. If there's something that's clouding that vision. And then confess it and let it go, knowing that God has forgiven you through Jesus Christ, his son, our Lord. And you will see that darkness begin to lift and the light begin to come in. Not only does darkness set in when we sin, but there are limitations too. The limitations that we, uh, as we sin, uh, they keep us from the, the freedom that God will give us. Um, the opportunities, we, we lose opportunities that God presents to us because we don't see them, we don't claim them. Too many Christians never seem to have the occasion to discover the adventure that God is calling them to. They, they sit with folded arms, never enjoying the joy of their salvation. And it's because they have held on to something that they need to let go of. Some sin or something in their life they need to let go of. And when you let go of that and become slaves of righteousness, what you will see is those opportunities, that adventure in God will present itself. The Holy Spirit will present avenues to you for you to glorify him, to use your gifts and talents for him, for the building up of the kingdom of God. You will see that happen. And if you don't, come see me and we'll pray together. Because I'm telling you, it works. And then finally, in this passage, Paul talks a little more about death. He says that death means a lessening of our experience of freedom and delight in the things that God has for us. And what happens is our weariness in worldliness increases. It's an increase in world weariness. And so Paul stresses here, and he does in other uh, writings that he has, other letters to other churches in other cities, but here he says, you've been set free. You've been set free. You're no longer slaves of sin. When you came to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord changed you. He transformed you. You have been freed. You are no longer slaves to sin. 
to evil in any way, but you are slaves to righteousness. Just as you used to present your body to impurity, now you're presenting it to holiness, to righteousness. And in fact, he says, this will bring about sanctification. Sanctification meaning that your focus is only on him. That sin is not riddling your body in any way. It doesn't mean that you may not slip in sin, but it means that sanctification is going to hold on to you. So Paul wants us to understand, now that you have been freed from sin and you have become slaves to God, slaves of righteousness, all of this business of being limited or experiencing death and shame or uh, being uh, separated from the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus our Lord, he says all of that is done away with if you are slaves of righteousness because you are a child of the king. I want you to hear this statement if you don't hear anything else this morning. God's purpose for redeeming you and me from sin is not to give us freedom to do as we please. I want to repeat that. I want you to get it. God's purpose in redeeming you and me from sin is not to give us freedom to do as we please, but freedom to do as he pleases. In other words, his uh, purpose, his will, his righteousness for us. This is not that he has given us freedom just to go and do anything we want because grace is abundant. And this is the free gift that he offers. No, he calls us to obedience. Example, when Moses went and asked for the freedom of the Israelites from Pharaoh, if you were to go and look at Exodus 7.16, you would see what purpose that God gives. So it wasn't just to to free them from Egypt, to free them from Pharaoh. Exodus 7.16 says that they may serve me. This is a jealous God we have. That he gives his son to us, and as we come to faith in him, his expectations are that we're going to be faithful We're going to be righteous. You remember that song that Lori sang a while ago? We're going to be holy. We're going to be faithful. We're going to be righteous. Because we have been transformed. Our mind, our heart, and our will. To serve him. This is what we are called to. Slaves of righteousness. Why wouldn't we? When Emma was young and she was trying to learn to ride a bicycle, we would move the cars out from in front of our garages, and there's a cement pad there. And so she would ride on that cement pad 
trying to learn to ride a bicycle without, you know, the training wheels on. And she was doing great. I mean, she was learning how to ride that bike so good. It set. As she would go around and she'd want to stop, she would start screaming. I can't stop! I can't stop! Dad, I can't stop! And if I didn't run after her and catch her, she would run into something to stop. And it wasn't that I didn't tell her, honey, all you got to do is back that pedal up and that bike will stop. I told her that many times. The problem was she didn't do it. She didn't use it. What good is it to have a bicycle that has a stopping mechanism in it and you never use it when you want to stop? Doesn't make sense. That's kind of the question that, that Paul's asking here. It, it, it doesn't make sense that you would go on sinning in any way, that you would be a slave to anything other than Jesus Christ. Because he has provided the way. He has provided the opportunity. He has provided the possibility. He has provided everything for us. He has done the work. All we have to do is receive it and accept it. He has called us and chosen us for holiness, righteousness. He will make us whole. He will make us righteous. As we yield to him, we will gain this sense of security and assurance, knowing that we are loved by him at the very moment, the very moment that he calls us and we receive salvation in his name. God has done the work. Why wouldn't we be slaves of righteousness? This whole chapter of this section, this sixth chapter of Romans, is a call for us to understand as believers that we are made free in Christ. We have worth in Christ. We have a personhood in Christ. We are a child of God. We have, uh, knowing that God has gone before us and has set us free, given us his spirit, we know that though there are tons, thousands upon thousands of conflicts in our life that we go through, that our single eye our single focus is to be on God and nothing else. We are free from the control of sin. Paul asked a question, not here, can we continue the sin, which is, as a believer, is no. He asked here, shall we? And still, the answer is no. Because we are called to be slaves of righteousness to the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this passage. Thank you, Father, for your indwelling spirit. Thank you for the convict conviction that you give us through the spirit uh, that calls us back into righteousness and wholeness in your name. Father, I pray this morning that if there is anything any of us as believers are holding on to that taints our focus or uh, diverts our attention uh, away from you, 
that we're looking in that other field across the road where Satan resides, that we would turn our gaze away from that and we would confess. And Father, that we would focus with a single eye, a single purpose on you and nothing else. Father, thank you for what you have done through your Son, Jesus, our Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen.